I am going to try to give us a little message that I believe the Holy Spirit has been impressing on me. And usually when the pastor asks for me to, to share, God will already be putting something in my heart and mind. And, uh, and he has been. And uh, what did he, oh, by the way, um, uh, there will be a time uh, at the end of the service if anybody wants to come forward, if they need prayer, today is an excellent day to get saved or healed or whatever other need you may have. Uh, God wants to meet it. And uh, my message today is do not be afraid which I found it interesting. It's mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Do not be afraid. And the other one is like it. It says, uh, fear not. And guess how many times that has mentioned in the Bible? 365 times. So every day, God wants us to not be afraid. Um, Fear, I believe, will keep us from entering into your promised land. What God has in store for you, um, I encourage you to go for it. Don't leave anything on the table. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the, and don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. I'm share a little bit about my testimony. Um, well, it seems like every time God wants me to do something, the first thing that'll hit me is fear. You guys probably can't relate to that. I'm just kind of a scaredy cat by nature. But uh, when when I was just a kid, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag on my older sister. My older sister Janet Barberg, who a lot of you know. Matter of fact, her and her husband served as uh, pastor here in this church for quite a few years. Well, anyway, when she was 11 years old, my sister got saved. And uh, I'm thinking I was maybe her guinea pig uh, to practice her witnessing on. And because I was just a little fellow, it's one of, my, one of my earliest memories. She was witnessing to me and and. I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, uh, she asked me, she said, do you understand what I'm saying to you? And I, <laughs> I shook my head, no. <laughs> and I left. <laughs> I left that room. And, but I felt the presence. I believe she had the anointing of the Holy Spirit on her, even as a little whatever. Maybe she was 13. Maybe, um, but I went into my room and I crawled under my bed because I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong there. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on, but that was my first experience with, with God and the power of God. And I believe it was the anointing that she had already as a little child because she had the boldness to be a witness for the Lord. And um, I'm going to continue on. That my older sister, uh, 
her, through her faithfulness to the Lord, and I know she wasn't always accepted real readily. I know that. She experienced rejection and whatnot, but through her faithfulness, my whole family has a relationship with God. And I believe it's, it's going from one generation to the next. It was her faithfulness, her seeds, her witness, her testimony that had that huge impact on my family. And I'm, I'm proof of it. Uh, yeah, so instead of me going to faith, I went to fear right away as a little kid. That was my natural inclination. And... I had a natural inclination to sin. As I got a little older, I got uh, started smoking and I'd drink and do drugs whenever I could, and I even got into stealing. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go into all the details. I don't want to scare you all away. But but anyhow, that that, uh, lifestyle got me in trouble. And uh, I got arrested for stealing motorcycles. And uh, the judge had to send me somewhere. To make a long story short, my probation officer didn't even want me. So he, it ended up, uh, I ended up going to a, a Christian facility, kind of like a halfway house ministry. It was a farm down by Stillwater. And that was back in the early 70s during the Jesus Movement. And I seen some powerful things. I even experienced a healing. And I experienced um, the Holy Spirit. I remember <laughs> I, I asked the Lord, you know, I, I uh, asked Jesus into my heart. And it felt like somebody dumped warm paint on my head. I, didn't, I had never experienced anything like that. And I told some of the people there, I said... Uh, this, this is weird. It feels like somebody dumped warm paint on my head. And they, and they said, what you're experiencing is the blood of Jesus that cleanses you from your sin and your forgiveness. And that, that was awesome. I seen, yeah, I seen some powerful things happening there. I'm getting kind of getting away from my message here a little bit, but I'm going to share, share my testimony. Um, so they couldn't keep me there forever. And uh, they released me. And I, I went back to my old neighborhood, my old community, where all my buddies did drugs and drank and every other sinful thing imaginable. And my first inclination, of course, was to look up my old friends when I got back into town. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were getting high down in the basement of one of my friends' places. I didn't have the faith or the spiritual intestinal fortitude to resist temptation. I don't think I was back in town for an hour and I was high. And I basically stayed high for the next four years. Basically, what I was doing while well, I was looking for peace and happiness, but basically what I was doing was trying to drown out the Holy Spirit who was convicting me. You know this is not the way to live. You know 
you know about God. And uh, I tried my best to drown him out. I became the most miserable son of a gun you ever did see. And uh, looking for love and happiness in all the wrong places. And it, it drove me to the point I was ready to take my own life. Matter of fact, I had the gun loaded and I was ready to do it. And, uh, and anyway, to make a long story short, God had his hand on me. And I, the reason I didn't, all the mistakes, I think I made every mistake possible. Uh, but I did, one, I did one thing about half right, and that was I honored my father and my mother. And I knew if I... <laughs> I knew if I blew my brains out, how it would, how it would hurt them. How it would... After all the hassle I put them through already, I just couldn't do it. And uh, so I, I put the gun away and... and um, yeah. To make a long story short, my mother fooled me into coming up to visit my sister Janet and her husband, <laughs> who had—they uh, were the directors of the of the halfway house called the House of Agape. Some of the old timers from the community remember it. It still stands there. Somebody should burn it down now. It's in terrible disarray, but. Uh, but anyhow, my mom fooled me into going up there. They, she said they needed some remodeling done on it. And they needed some help. Well, I'd, I like to do construction work. I was laid off. I had a good job. I was a union laborer and, and making good money, but I got laid off. And I thought, well, it'd probably do me some good to sober up for a couple of days. Anyhow, maybe I'll go up there. And, and uh, so anyhow... I did go up there. When I seen really what it was, I just about turned around and went right back to St. Cloud. Because first thing I seen was this young lady come out. She said, oh, praise the Lord. You must be Scott. We've been expecting you. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I did decide I, you know, I'll sp at least spend the night there. Well, I, I spent the night there. With The next day, I'll try to make this quick. I did decide to stay there the next day, too. The men went out and they cut firewood. It felt good for me to get out, get some fresh air, exercise, and let my head clear a little bit. I'd been on a four-year drunk. I couldn't even remember what it was like to be sober. Some of you here remember, or you know what that's like. You've been under the influence of chemicals and alcohol for so long, you don't even remember what it's like to be sober. That's where I was. And anyhow, so the next night... There was some meeting going on at the Assemblies of God Church in town. And they invited me to go. And I said, no, I am not going. Because the, the previous night, the first night I was there, they had a Bible study that I sat in on. And I was very uncomfortable in this. Uh, I, I won't say it here, but I was very uncomfortable how I felt there. And so I wasn't going to go to no other meetings, but I... I stayed back with my sister, Jan. She had little children, three little tots, probably all three of them in diapers. 
And she was witnessing to me, and I knew, and the Holy Spirit was pounding on my door of my heart as hard as he could. I knew it was, I needed to accept Christ. I knew I needed to surrender to the Lord. But I was a tough nut to crack. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up easy. And, uh, but unbeknownst to me, at this, at this meeting here in town, at the Assemblies of God Church, Keith, my brother-in-law, asked them to pray for me that I would get saved, and uh, which they did. And after my, you know, my sister speaking to me, witnessing to me, I had just told her. I said, "I know it's the right thing to do, but fear had its grip on me. I could not let go. I was still afraid. What are my buddies going to think of me when they find out I got religion?" Boy, will I be the laughing stock. It was kind of a combination of fear and pride that was keeping me from surrendering to God. Well, anyhow, I just told Janet, I said, I am, I'm not ready. I, I know it's the right thing to do. Well, here come Keith, and there was a bunch, a whole bunch of young people back then. There was as many as 28 people living in that, <laughs> in that place. A lot of, lot of, People went through there. A lot of people had accepted the Lord, and it was quite a quite a place. It was kind of a nut house, to be honest with you. But but anyhow, um, here come Keith and and all these young people, and there again the anointing or the presence of the Lord must have been there, because the next thing I knew, I heard my voice say, "Hey, I want to get saved," and I. I thought, did I just say that? And uh, and Janet looked surprised too. I remember looking at her. Like, what happened to you? <laughs> but you know, the flesh man—at least what I've experienced—the flesh man always wants to say no to what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do, but the spirit man is wanting to say yes. And it's up to us. What are we going to choose? Are we going to? Are we going to say no? Are we going to be led by fear our entire life and miss out on what God has for us? Or are we going to surrender to the Holy Spirit? Even though it might be uncomfortable, it may scare you at first, but, but it's so important that we yield to the Spirit. So anyhow, I knelt down. I asked Keith, I... Keith, you pray for me. I don't know how to pray. And uh, Keith just said, no, I think you ought to pray. It'd be best if you prayed. So I prayed a very simple sinner's prayer, asked God to help me and forgive me if he would, and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And um, I instantly felt like somebody took about 100 pounds off of my back. And I stood up. It was the best high I ever had. I used to love to do drugs, and I used to love to drink. And the only thing I could compare it to at that time was snorting cocaine because I instantly felt uh, super. And I'm not an advocate of using cocaine or any other drug. If you're spending all your time and money trying to find happiness 
in alcohol or chemicals, you're barking up the wrong tree. It'll only lead you to death and destruction. Real life comes from having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm preaching to the choir, I guess. That's all right. So, but, uh, but anyhow, and I, yeah, I stood up, I instantly felt... I had, I had been packing so much guilt and shame for so many years, I didn't even realize it. I was under such a burden of sin. But Jesus, he, he, died on, he died on that cross to take away your sin and your shame and your burden so you can be free. The Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And the thing I was looking for in drugs and alcohol, Jesus was offering it to me all the time, every day. I was so foolish, I kept rejecting it, kept rejecting it. But when I finally accepted it, it was there. God wasn't wanting to hold no grudges against me. He wanted me to experience that real love and real freedom that only comes through his son, Jesus Christ. So anyhow... There, I guess I've shared my testimony with you. And um, I, I believe the Lord has been quickening some things and I've been writing them down. One is the Holy Spirit wants to be our co-pilot or better yet, our pilot. And what I've found, the Holy Spirit is an awesome teacher. He's an awesome comforter. He's an awesome helper. And he's more than willing to do all that for us, but we just need to allow him and welcome him, or better yet, even ask him. Better yet, you pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Use me, do whatever you can with me, because I need you. And you know what? He'll do it. It's uh, one of the most famous, wonderful Promises in the word of God says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. God wants you to have it all, but you got to want it. We have to want it. I have to want it. And he will, he will, (laughs) he'll do good on his end. It's up to us knuckleheads, us stubborn, bullheaded, fearful human beings. Kind of makes me wonder why God made us this way. But we we need his grace and we need to overcome those fears and uh, allow us to be the men and women (laughs) that God has called us to be. Because he can do it. He can do it. I'm going to read us a little bit out of Deuteronomy 1, 29 through 36. If I can here. And this is God speaking... He might have been speaking through Moses, but anyway, this is God speaking. Then I said to you, do not, be a, do not be terrified or afraid of them, for the Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son, in all the way that you went until you came to this place, yet for all that you did, yet for all of that, 
you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out the place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day and the Lord heard the sound of your words and he was angry and took an oath saying surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that God, the good land in which I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb and except Joshua. Now you probably all familiar with that story but they went into the promised land to scout it out after they had seen God's mighty hand of deliverance getting them out of the land of Egypt And what did they do? They still went to fear instead of faith. And God would not allow that generation to go into the promised land except for two guys. These fellows were what I would call one in a million, maybe even a little bigger odds than that. They believed God. And they were able to enter in. You know, God help us to be like the one in the million who... (laughs) who don't go to fear, but go to faith and trust in God. Okay. Here's a very important verse. Like I mentioned before, how my my natural man, hopefully you guys are past this, but my natural man, when God wants me to do something, first thing I deal with is fear. If he wants me to speak to somebody or do something or do ministry, first thing that comes to my mind is fear. Okay, here's something that we need to know. And I, I memorized this verse years ago when I was recovering from my drug addiction. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. At that time, I was just hanging on to the sound mind that that was the promise that I needed at the time. My mind to recover from all the LSD and every other foul thing that I had put through it. But, uh, But God wants us to know that when that fear hits us, or when it hits me, I'll talk to myself, that ain't from him. God hasn't given me a spirit. He hasn't given us as believers a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What a winning combination. Any of you here ever sat on a three-legged stool? Some of you old dairy farmers, Dave, you ever sit on a three-legged stool in the barn? You know know why they use a three-legged stool? It doesn't tip over very easy. You've got to just about fall off of it. And so many things of God are a trinity. They're, they're, they're secure, they're stable. And uh, these promises are awesome. Power and of love and of a sound mind. We doesn't ever forget that. Because if you're like me, fear is going to hit you probably several times before the day is over. But you don't, have to, you don't have to be stymied or stopped by fear. You can go forward in power and in love. Okay. I'm going to refer to my notes here. 
I believe as we step out in faith, God's anointing will come upon us to do the job. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall become my witnesses. You know what? God wants you to be a witness. He's not going to come down here on the earth, not no more. He's not going to come down here and walk around on the earth no more. But we can. We can be a witness in our communities, in our neighborhoods, those we work with. And uh, I'm, you never know who might be listening. I don't know. This, this message here goes out on the air. I don't know who. You know, back in Jesus' day, they walked from town to town to town. It was kind of slow going, but now with our modern technology, it can go all over the world. So your, your witness, your testimony can be very effective. And uh, the old devil, he'll try to say, uh, you, you don't have a very good witness anyhow. You best keep your mouth shut. You might goof it up. But that's a, that's a lie from the devil. Your witness is powerful. We'll read about that a little more later on if I can get to it. Um, oh, I'd love to read, read you uh, a story out of 1 Samuel 17. I should get Grandpa to get up here. He could... He could teach it right out of his memory. I listened to Dave share on this um, many times over the years, and I was always be blessed by it. And uh, it's about uh, King, or about David as a youth going up against uh, Goliath, the giant. It says uh, when Saul, okay, the, first talks about Saul and the armies of Israel. Israel's pride, their best. It says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. When they heard Goliath ranting and raving and challenging them, they were all shaken in their boots. They were all afraid. What They went to fear immediately. Okay, and then in another verse it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, <laughs> were dreadfully afraid. They're, they're talking about when these Israel's finest seen Goliath, this nine and a half foot tall giant with hundreds of pounds of armor and spear and a, and a armor bearer in front of them. No, none of them wanted nothing to do with them. They ran the other way. But... We'll read about another fellow. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, for your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Here's this young, I'm assuming he was just a teenage, scrawny kid, Nothing against you teenagers. Matter of fact, I love you teenagers, and I want to challenge you to serve the Lord from your youth. You don't know what God can do through a young person who's willing to serve God and not be afraid, like my sister Janet and Billy Graham, and the list goes on and on. People that... that took the calling of God seriously from their youth, and God used him mightily. You could be the next one. You never know. You never know.
Okay. So then we go to where, excuse me, I got to get a drink here. I'm not used to doing this much talking. I've already did a service at the Becker County Jail this morning. That's, that's my ministry is the jail because they're stuck with me. I have a captive audience whether they like it or not. And, uh, but I'm, I'm getting a little dry. Me and my nephew, my nephew Sam Fegley went there today. And I admire Sam. He's just a young fella. He, he took the call when he was a teenager and uh, he's pursuing God, pursuing ministry. He came to me to see if he could get involved in jail ministry. When I got involved in jail ministry, this elderly saint came looking and he asked me and another guy, actually he put it out to a bunch of us youth at the House of Agape if we would help him do the jail ministry. Well, um, me and another fella went with him basically because we just felt sorry for him. And uh, little did I know a year or two later, he'd asked me to take over and talk about fear. Um, first thing that hit me was, no, <laughs> I'm not qualified. I don't uh, have much Bible training and, and whatnot. And, uh, but by God's grace, I was able to meet the challenge and here I am 40 some years later still going up there and uh, and, and that, that's by God's grace it's actually a privilege to be able to do it and it's not that I'm such a great and a wonderful guy but God loves the prisoners if you don't believe me read uh, Matthew chapter 25 you'll probably be doing jail ministry too it's uh it's it's a wonderful ministry. Okay, so now here's another statement that David made. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul, so David, he was speaking words of faith. I can do it. I can do it. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, so clothed him with a cloak, a coat of mail. David fastened all this stuff on himself, and he tried to walk, and he couldn't even walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. And there's a little lesson I believe I learned in that, is don't try to walk in somebody else's anointing. You know, I've seen some very admirable uh, men and women of God. They're sitting in this church right now. I'm looking out at some of you. But you have an anointing that's different than mine. You have a gift. Our sister got up and shared her gift this morning. What a blessing that was. What a special treat. Now, if I was going to get up here to try to uh, sing and play guitar, you would think this is not a blessing. <laughs> this is 
what did we do wrong? I think we're under a curse. But um, I, can, I can get up here and share a little bit this morning. I can share with you what I believe the Holy Spirit has shared with me. So anyhow, yeah, don't try to walk in somebody else's anointing. Uh, David, <laughs> David could not walk <laughs> with Saul's armor on. <laughs> you know, he said, this is not going to work. <laughs> and uh, he, he went under his own anointing. And, uh, and, okay, here's another little tidbit. Don't, yeah, don't be covetous of somebody else's anointing or somebody else's gift. Allow room for it. Let it flow. I'm so glad. I've, I've served on several boards over the years, and uh, they must not have been able to find enough good help, I guess, so they had asked me to serve on several elder boards, and this, we had a school board, and there had been some other ministry boards. But uh, I've learned I don't have it all. There's some things I just don't have. But I'm so grateful that there are others on that board who have that gift. I know I've served on a board with Lonnie. Lonnie has a gift. I say, what do you got, Lonnie? I ain't got nothing. <laughs> and God will have something. Okay, I'll go with that. And, I've, and our pastor, our pastor is a visionary. I've served on other boards. Or there was, there was a man, you know, he was the leader, the pastor or the president or whatever. He, he had the vision. Well, I was accused of being a yes man more than once probably, but I didn't have it. They had the vision, so I got behind them and supported them in it instead of trying to, trying to fake that I got it. You know, I'm not going to do that. But uh, we need to uh, appreciate other people's ministries. How much, how much more damage would have been done to the Philistine army, Grandpa, if David, if Saul would have let David fight alongside of him instead of wasting all his time trying to chase him down and kill him? What a waste of time. Saul would have been way better off pursuing his own calling, his own anointing, and being the king that God called him to be. Instead, he wasted his time coveting after somebody else's gift and anointing, and he lost it. He lost it. That was a little bit of a side note there. I was afraid that I wouldn't have enough material to last this morning, but uh, I guess I was wrong again. Um, yeah. And... And David's anointing um, was recognized. And, uh, yeah, David walked in that anointing. And God honored him, and so did the people. So walk, walk in your anointing. What God's called you to do, pursue it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't chicken out. Don't fall short. Keep pressing into it. Okay, I'll try to refer to my notes again. I am going to, yeah, God has given different gifts into the body. I'm going to read this one last verse, and then we may have to shut her down, Lonnie. Um, I, uh, I know I'm not going to finish, but there might be enough for me, and they're going to ask, unless pastor sees he's made a big mistake in asking me to preach, I'll probably uh, speak in again in another couple of weeks. But... Uh, but we're going to look at a scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 
4 through 12. And it's talking about the different gifts that God has given to the body. And it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. God is still in the healing, miracle-working business. Saints, he didn't shut down the factory. He didn't go into retirement. We have the same Holy Spirit here today that was back then. And uh, we can believe that God is still working. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, and so is Christ. So God has given all these different gifts to the body of Christ. And I encourage you to use your gift. Don't be afraid of it. Um, I didn't get around to it, Chris, but we had, uh, the leadership of this church had gone to a leadership conference in Marshall, which goes, the teaching there, the emphasis there was on boldness. And next, next time I preach, I'm going to use your notes. Chris uh, had taken a combination of notes and I believe even some prophetic message in there and uh, for us to benefit from. And, uh, but, but don't be afraid to be bold. Remember, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we step out in our gift and to be a witness, you can expect the Holy Spirit to meet you. And the more you do it, the easier it will get. And uh, probably the best, I'm going to tote, uh, brag on one more relative of mine. Well, I'm here. <clears throat> I've been blessed to have so many godly people in my family to disciple me, encourage me, be an example. And my dear old father-in-law here, forgive me, you're getting choked up, but he has been one of the boldest <laughs> witnesses I have ever seen and I believe that's probably true not just because he's my father-in-law uh, but uh, God had God has given him 
that the gift of evangelism and boldness and to watch him operate it uh, it was it's really been a a treasure really been a gift and uh, so i encourage dave was faithful he's been faithful in his gift and his calling now it's our turn for every one of us to be faithful in our gift in our calling because if we aren't Others are missing out. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer here this morning. If any of you here this morning would like to come forward for prayer, if you need to get right with the Lord, if you have any other prayer need, feel free to come forward. We've got leadership here. We've got prayer warriors here. We'd be happy to take the time. And... Uh, I'm going to close this with a, with a short prayer right now. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, and I believe I can dare, dare confess for all of us, we have been guilty of being fearful and being afraid and rejecting or ignoring your Holy Spirit times and times again when we shouldn't have. God, I pray by your grace that we can be more faithful, more faithful to you, more faithful to the gifts and callings that you've put on us. God, and I pray for those here this morning that know that you need to come forward. I pray you, by God's grace that you put fear aside and come forward and receive what God has for you. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.